Howdy, folks. This is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that in the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. There was a time that my dad called me. My dad called, and he's like, hey, I need you to come day work for me. And I was like, for you? And he goes, well, we're going to be working for another guy, but we having a hard time finding some people, so I want you to come and, and, and day work with us. And I was like, well, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm busy, and because they were going to work on a Friday and Saturday, I said, I'd have to take a day off, and it's, you know, by the time you pull a gooseneck trailer over there, you're going to spend a 100 bucks in gas, and if you blow a tire, you know, it's just, I kept putting them off and putting them off and putting them off, and he kept telling me, man, we need you, we need you, we need you, and I was sitting in a pizza hut in Monahans, Texas, and my dad called, and he said, is there any way I can get you to come help us out? He said, I, I'm nervous about this. It's just going to be me, and I need somebody there that I can depend on. And I was like, I tell you, I said, what's he pay? And he told me, and I was like, uh. He said, well, you know, he ain't got a lot of money. He's got a lot of horses. And I said, I tell you what I'll do. I'll come day work for two days in exchange for two horses. And I thought, that'll settle that deal right there. He called me back about 20 minutes later, and he said, the guy said, done. I was like, all right, so I'll take a day off, and I'll, and I'll go day work for these two colts. And uh, so we uh, we went down there, and, and we were going to be staying in the bunkhouse just because it was so long of a drive and everything. We got down there Thursday night, and we were supposed to be at his house, which is just right next door at 5 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, <coughs> sorry. We got up at five, well, we got up about 4.30 in the morning and, and we brushed our teeth and put our hats on. If you don't know what that means, that means we combed our hair. And, uh, we put our hats on and we trudged over there and all the lights were off and we were like, well, do we knock or just go in or what? And so we sat on this porch till 6.30 and finally the door opened and he said, man, my alarm didn't go off. I'm sorry about that. Y'all come on in. So we was sitting out there kind of shaking because it was kind of early spring and, and we went in there and we ate breakfast and we heard about this and we heard about that and we heard all the gossip and rumors and, and belly aching that could go on. And uh, finally, about 9 o'clock, he said, well, guys, I'm sorry, but we just can't sit here all morning and just visit. We got work to do. And we're sitting there in our spurs and our shaps and everything like, well, we've been raring to go since, you know, 4.30 this morning. Let's go. And so we go out there and we saddle up our horses and everything and we throw them in the trailer and we're going to go gather. And he said, you know what, I need to go check this water right quick. And so we drove the opposite direction from the pasture we were going to be working. And we drove down there and I'm riding in the back of a pickup and it's dusty and everything. And if you've ever rode on a propane tank in the back of a pickup, it's just, it's not that great of an experience. And we got up there and we got out and we checked this water, which was just fine. And, and we sat there and we talked about what pump was in the hole, how deep it was, the problems he'd had with that. And by now it's 1130 and we still hadn't gathered nothing. And so I was just like, good grief, good grief. I knew I shouldn't have come and did this. You know, I didn't want to go work for that guy for a number of reasons. But my dad just kept saying, Nine, you, you need to come on. It'll be good for you. If your dad ever says something's good for you, chances are it's not. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, you know, it, it, it just happens like that. 
But you know what? There's a Bible story in Matthew chapter 21 where the same thing happens and Jesus talks about it in Matthew 21, uh, starting in verse 28. Jesus says, but what do you think about this? Now, can you see Jesus sitting around with a bunch of people and he's like, let me ask you all a question. I hope Jesus never does that to me because I'm going to freeze up and say nine or something like that just because I don't know what the answer is. But he says, what do y'all think about this? He says, a man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. Or if you like cowboy terms better, he says, son, I need you to go out and gather that pasture today. And the son says, I ain't going to do it. I got other stuff to do. But later he changed his mind and he went anyway. Then the father told the other son, he said, you go. And the kid said, yes, sir, I'll do it, dad. You, you can count on me, dad. I can do it. He said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Then Jesus asked again, he said, which of the two obeyed his father? And all the people sitting around said, the first one did. Then Jesus said, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, and while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. You know, sometimes we all need to do things that we don't want to do. And I know that a lot of people, God has been speaking to your hearts. God has been talking to you. You know what you need to do, but you're just like, you know, some people are like, you know what, I'm just not ready. I'm not going to do it. And then some of you have gone ahead and done it. And then others, God has been talking to them. And they say, you know what, I want you to go. God says, I want you to go do this. And you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then you just never do. You know, there, there's there's this magical moment. I can't think of anything in my life that I really wanted to do, that I didn't end up doing, that it wasn't the biggest blessing in the world. Now, no offense at all, but moving to Colorado wasn't high on my list of priorities and things to do. Leave a place that I'd, that I'd called home, that I had built with my own hands, a big ranch, all of this stuff. And then God says, will you leave it all behind and go? And I'm like, well, you know, I said I'd do whatever you wanted me to, but does it have to be that? But I tell you what, it's the biggest blessings when you end up doing something that you don't want to do. God's going to call you to that, and a lot of times he's going to call you out of your comfort zone. Some people say, well, I don't know how to, I think God's talking to me about doing this, but I don't know how to do it. I was like, well, that's just proof that God's telling you to do it. God doesn't call those that are ready to do the job. He makes ready those that he calls to do the job. The the fancy word of saying that is God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those that he calls. Sometimes you need to do things that you don't want to do. We sat there at that watering hole talking about pumps and talking about sucker rods and talking about the difference between windmills and solar pumps and electricity and horsepower and everything like that. And I am just sitting there. And the dent is still in the side of the truck where I just took my head off and just beat it, which was right next to the deal that my horse was doing the same thing because he was raring to go. He'd been saddled since 4.30 that morning. He wanted to go too. So we get down there and we work Friday till about 5 o'clock and then we got in trouble because we didn't get enough done that day. He needed him some real day workers that could get the job done is what he said. And my father took out his tie rope and tied my hands behind my back so I didn't beat the snot out of somebody. And so we stayed Saturday, and he said, Saturday, we got to get up early, fellas. we got to get up early, and we got to go, and we we got tons of stuff to do. We're behind. Y'all spent too much time jacking around. So I said, you only, 
and my dad said, let's just go to the house and play some dominoes. So we went to the house and we played some dominoes and I slammed dominoes and I was mad and everything. But we got up at 4.30 the next morning and I went out there and I saddled my horse and we got over to his house at 5 and there was no light on. So we thought, should we not? Or should we just go in? And we sat there till 6.30. And he finally come to the door in his boxers, which was not a pleasant sight. And he says, well, guys, why didn't y'all come in? I've been waiting on you right there. And he still had sleep in his eyes and his hair was pointed up like this. You could tell he wasn't telling the truth. And so we went in there and we had a breakfast and we heard all about the latest gossip and everything. And, and I was just finishing sentences because it was just like the same. Did anybody ever seen Groundhog Day? There is a such thing as Cowboy Day. Just the same thing over and over and over. And so we got out there and, and finally I just got up and walked out. I just got up and I went and I stood by my horse till 10 o'clock. He couldn't find his spurs or he couldn't find his boots or something like that. And I got to wondering, no wonder my dad wanted me down here. No wonder this fella can't find day work. And so anyway, we finally got loaded up and we got to working and everything and he saddles his horse up and he says, we're going to go to the top of this mountain. And I'm looking at this mountain and it's like snowy river in reverse. It's just like this. And he said, there's one way up and there's one way down. Well, I had brought two horses. One was a good horse. I rode him the first day and the next was a colt that I was going to ride. And so I got on this colt and he, it wasn't Wednesday, but he was a little humpy, if you know what I mean. There was about this much space between his back and the entire saddle. I don't know how it was levitating like that, but it was. And so he has this horse that he rides because it's the only one that won't buck him off whenever he goes to jerking in his mouth and spurring and everything like that. And he says, you know, I just don't feel like riding today. Will you lead my horse all the way up there and I'm just going to take the truck? I was like, okay. So he hands me this reins and I've told this story before and we went and we started up this mountain and my colt had never had anybody, he had been snubbed but he'd never had a horse behind him and he didn't like it too much so we loped up the side of this mountain with that colt turned around backwards biting at this other horse and I just kept a hold of it and I don't know how we made it up there but we did. We finished our day working at about 7.30 that night and he comes up to me and he says, you know what, y'all weren't able to get everything done that we needed to do. I need you to stay an extra day. Dad took his tie rope out, tied my hands behind my back, and this time he used a roll of duct tape. Took me four years to get it out of the back of my hair because I'm kind of a sissy back there. <coughs> but in Numbers chapter 32, there's a deal that happens just like that. Whenever the Israelites are going into the promised land, each of them is promised an inheritance, the 12 tribes of Israel, each tribe is going to get a certain amount of, of space. Well, they're going towards the Jordan River. They're going from east to west, and they get there along the banks of the Jordan, and they whoop the tails of a bunch of people to clear out that part of it. And once that's all said and done, three tribes said, you know what, I think we'll just stay right here. And Moses tells them, he's like, now wait a minute, folks. He said, yeah, we're supposed to be doing this together, and all of us cleared out this part of the country. And now you just want to stay here and let us go finish the job. Numbers chapter 32, verse 2 through 5. So they went to Moses and the leaders of Israel and said, The Lord has helped us capture their land around these towns. And I'm not going to pronounce those names because I'll pull a hamstring and I'm already a little sick and wounded. So um, there's good pasture land. And since we own cattle and sheep, we, will you let us stay here on these side of the Jordan River and have this land as our own? 
Well, Moses gets mad and he said, we helped you and now you want to bow out and let us finish the job on your own. And that is a paraphrase. You won't find that. But Moses gets a little hot under the collar. And so I think Joshua took a tie string and tied his hands behind his back. He maybe used some duct tape. And the men from Reuben and Gad, they said, hey, let us build a place to keep our sheep and goats and towns for our wives and children where they can stay and be safe. Then we will prepare to fight and lead the other tribes into battle. We will stay with them until they have settled in their own lands. The land on this side of the Jordan will be ours, so we won't expect to receive anything from the other side. And Moses said, You promised that you would be ready to fight for the Lord, and you also agreed to cross the Jordan and stay with the rest of the Israelites until the Lord forces our enemies out of the land. If you do these things, then the Lord will help helps Israel capture the land. You can return to your own land, and you will no longer have to stay with the others. You know, there's a lot of times that, that we finish what we think that we're supposed to do. I was supposed to go down to that ranch and work two days. Now, I can't do, I have to do what the boss man says, whether we like it or not. And just because we didn't start till around noon both days, why should I be expected to be away from my family and everything like that? But you know what? Part of the job is staying and finishing it, whether your part is done or not. Don't quit just because your part is done. Keep going until the job is done. Does anybody, I haven't heard this term up here very much, but there's a term in Texas that we call jihad. And what jihad means is whenever you're on a colt and you ride it outside the first time, it seldom goes exactly where you want it. You kind of got to go this way to turn and this way to turn, and you end up traveling nine times as far as you want to go just because he doesn't really know what you're doing, and you got to turn him back and forth, and you're going like this and going like this and going like this and going like this. And I tell you what, you'll never be so worn out I was riding a colt on the first day in the big pasture. I had this colt on the Rocker B Ranch that uh, we got on her in the pen, and she was kind of a pet. Thank you to my stepmother. I hate pets. And so, anyway, we saddled her up and cinched her up. She just stood there like this, and I got up on her, and she just kind of looked at me like, oh, no big deal. And I kind of smooched her around, and she walked around the pens, and I got off, and I said, well, I guess she's ready to go. And that was the first time anybody had ever been on her. And we loaded her up the next day and gathered a 17-section pasture called Bullhead on her. And we got horseback before there was even gray in the sky. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And I got on her, and there was something that we didn't know about this girl. Whenever you got on her, she was just like that other colt. She didn't like anybody right behind her. And so we lope off literally the second ride she had been ridden about six minutes her entire life, and I'm in a 17-section pasture. If you don't know what a section is, it is one square mile, 640 acres. So you do the math, and it's and it comes out to a bunch. And um, so we headed off through here, and somebody rode up behind me. I didn't know who it was. It could have been a Comanche Indian for all I know, or uh, an alien, because you couldn't see nothing. And this horse, she goes to kicking at these other horses, and, and so I had to get down at the back, and we went through there, and it was all good and well while we were together, but then we were supposed to spread out over 17 square miles and gather cattle. And I guarantee you, we jihad this way and jihad that way. I went back, and have you ever seen that little deal that you do where you stand up against a, uh, a deal and you press real hard with your arm, and then you step out and your arm goes like this? That's what my arms did from going like this the whole day. We ran circles, we ran backwards, we ran over the top of things and by things and everything, and when I got home, I was just like this. 
Dad said, what are you doing? I said, I can't put my arms down. He said, try it. I went. I've still got a picture of it. I got my hands in my pockets just to keep them down because he wanted a picture of that ride. In 2 Kings chapter 10, 28 through 29, says this. In this way, Jehu, that kind of reminded me of Jehaw, so that's why I threw that in there. In this way, Jehu destroyed every trace of Baal worship from Israel, and he did not, however, destroy the gold calves at Bethel and Dan, which Jeroboam's son of somebody had caused Israel to sin. Now, let me tell you what's going on here. There was a king named Ahab, and this was a different feller from the guy that, that, that killed the whale, okay? I don't want y'all to get mixed up in that. But this guy Ahab, he was a terrible king, and they had set up these golden idols and worshiping everybody but God and everything. So God tells this new king, Jehu, he says, hey, I want you to go, and I want you to destroy all of this idol worship and the priests of Baal and everything like that. And so Jehu goes in there, man, and he whoop, he puts a whooping on everybody associated. I think they even they even killed the cow dogs if they belonged to Ahab. I mean, it was a rough time in Israel's life. But he went and he destroyed all of the idols and the priests of Baal, who is just like a nearly like devil worshiping. He destroyed all those, but he didn't go and destroy the calves of uh, the golden calves that people were worshiping. He says, in this way, Jehu destroyed every trace of Baal. He did not, however, destroy the gold calves at Bethel and Dan, in which Jeroboam had caused Israel to sin. See, he'd kind of done what God told him to do. God told him to go wipe out everything. Well, he kind of picked and chewed. He said, you know what, I'll go over here and I'll take care of Baal because I don't like those fellas. But for some political reasons, he didn't want to go up there and take down those calves that people were worshiping because they said, oh, it's okay, this is just our, our resemblance of God. We are worshiping the real God. This is just the image that we use. Like, oh, okay, that's it. That's okay. We'll do that. Jehu was an instrument of God, but he was not a servant of God. Let me tell you a little bit about the rest of my story. I was supposed to go day work for two days in exchange for two colts. I worked three days, and we got one colt, and a year and a half later, after I was promised that second colt, I finally called that fellow, and I said, either give me a 100 bucks for the day or give me a horse. He kept saying, oh, it's over in another pasture. I'll have to go get it, and then I'll call you and everything like that. Blah, 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 blah. He didn't come to find out. He didn't want to sell me that that uh, other mare, or he didn't want to give it to me because uh, it was unbeknownst to him when he went and got it. It was bread and was fixing to have a colt, and so he wanted the colt for himself, so he just kind of kept putting me off, putting me off, and putting me off. You can't just do what God says. You have to be who God said. You can't just tell somebody to do this and then think that halfway through it you can quit. Don't do things because you know they're right or do things because you know they're right, not just because that's what you think you are supposed to do. I guess it was a privilege or something that I got to go down there and spend a 100 bucks in gas each way and, and work at this fine establishment. And I hold no ill feelings towards that man, none whatsoever. Because I got a real good cult out of that. She ended up being uh, a, a great horse, and, and my wife ended up breaking her and everything like that. But you can't just go from side to side. You can't pick and choose what you want to do for God. If God calls you to do something and He tells you to do it, you've got to follow it all the way through. If you want to get fulfillment out of your life, 
you can start with these three things. Forget about what you want and start doing what God wants. Don't just do things halfway. Don't just stop when half of the half of the work is finished. Maybe, you know, anytime you start something new, you go in there like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever, and I don't care what it is. How many of us have had a new vehicle, and we're like, we're going to keep this vehicle spotless, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and that lasts right up until about the second week. Things get old. Do you have the fortitude to follow through with what you said that you were going to do? even if you didn't want to do it in the first place. If you want to get fulfillment out of life, don't quit because your part is finished. Keep going. And be a servant of God, not just an instrument of God. See, we're all called to do things for God. We're all called to be day workers on his outfit. Two weeks ago, I told you about Ride, of how you can find your place in God's creation and find true fulfillment in your life. The R in ride stood for resources. Maybe you don't have money to give or anything like that, but you know what? Maybe you can have a, a ranch or a, a place that you can just go ride or something like that. Use whatever God has already given you and use it for His glory. The I last week thought, uh, stood for inventors. We need, to, we need people that will think outside of the box, that will look at a, a situation and not just point out the problem, but find the solution. And this week, D stands for day workers. We're all called to be workers for Christ. Jesus Christ himself said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's called each and every one of us. You have a place. And I don't, maybe you know that place already. Maybe you're still praying about that place. And I'm not telling us all whether you're watching or listening on the radio or sitting in a chair here. I'm not saying that you got to get up right now and, and pick something and go do it. We want you to do what God has called you to do. But we want you to be not just instruments of God. We want you to be servants of God. And that's going to include doing things that you don't want to do sometimes. That's going to include going beyond what God has called you to do. And don't just finish when your part is done. You know, I mean, you go to these brandings, and I know CV knows what I'm talking about, and if you've ever held a branding or anything like that, everybody wants to come to the branding, but does everybody want to help clean up after it's all over with? Everybody just gets in their trailer, and they just go, and then, you know, it's, uh, it's usually Ashley that has to put everything up, and I understand that, right, Ashley? <laughs> but can you finish what you started, whether it's yours to finish or not? When your part is done, can you slide over and help somebody else? Are you going to go to the left or the right? Are you going to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? Going a lot of places and getting nowhere. Set your sights on being a servant of God, not just an instrument of God. Hey, before you shut that knob off, let me tell you something. If you like today's program, we can all give a great big thank you to Western LLC. They're a turnkey development for oil and gas and aviation industries. You can get on the internet and visit them at westernllc.com. Also, Jim and Kelly Gerald at Integrity Auto Repair and Rod Denning at Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling. All of them out of Kiowa, Colorado. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. <laughs> okay, maybe every once in a while, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need your help to stay on the air and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. It ain't easy to ask, I promise you. We'll even tell all your friends that are listening that it's you that are bringing it to them. Help us out by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and contacting me. Call me and let's get this thing set up. Don't leave it to somebody else.